Good morning. Welcome back to another Bus Driver Experience, episode 34. And of course, as always, before we get into today's episode, I want to go ahead and thank Ambry Gardens, Ambry Gardens, CBD, excuse me right there, Um, the sponsor of this podcast and a CBD product that I can definitely say is not a placebo. This stuff works. I love the ingredients. It has definitely helped me. I've definitely seen improvements and benefits, especially the muscle recovery and the deep rub. They've been great stuff for post-workouts. I'm still training like a savage here in quarantine. I got tires. I got sledgehammers. I'm running. I think I'm going to go push the tire up the hill today. I'm going to go check that one out. But I know I can do that because I know I got Ambry Gardens CBD stuff right there post-workout. It helps. It's fantastic. And if you use promo code BUSDRIVER, you're helping this podcast because they give me a little rig back, kickback from that. But you're also finding a new great product that's going to help you with recovery or any anti-inflammatory things you're looking for in your regiment or your diet. So go check out AmbryGardens.com, promo code BUSDRIVER for a 15% discount. And now for today's guest, and my guest needs no introduction, really, if you are a Syracuse basketball fan, but even if you weren't a Syracuse basketball fan, you knew this guy because of what he could do on the basketball court. We have Jerry McNamara taking down a, a national championship in his freshman year with a legendary year and then a legendary even final four uh, finals game where he had six threes in the first half. Might have finished with eight. I'm not sure on that one. Um, and then just had an amazing college basketball career with some of the biggest and most memorable moments in the sport ever. Even in Madison Square Garden, what he pulled off in the 2005-2006 Big East Championship uh, tournament. An amazing run. People have messaged me before the show like, hey, you got to talk about that. We want to know more about that. Um, So I'm super pumped to have Jerry on the show. Jerry's first year coaching was my second year playing at Syracuse University. And he became not only a great mentor for me, but a a good friend till this day. Um, We spent a lot of great time together at Syracuse. helped and pushed me in so many ways on the basketball court and then just being a positive spark you know for a guy who didn't get the playing time he wanted um you know always recognizing my work my contributions to the program and just taught me a lot about the game and uh, about life just seeing a guy who uh who made a great transition um after stepping away from the game of basketball and is you know one of the most recognized assistant basketball coaches in college basketball today so I'm pumped I got to finally connect back with Jerry. And please go ahead and you'll enjoy the show with Jerry McNamara. Okay. Jerry. Up and running. Now we're live. Now we're live. We started going. We started getting the gist. But, you know, these podcasts are even cool element because it's like meant to be a catch-up as well. And you were asking, I've been all around the world. Since I probably even last saw you, I think it was 2013 when I popped up back in school before I went to Canada. Yeah. I think that's the last time we've seen each other. We haven't seen each other in years. And then, I, you know, it's funny, I caught Belby's little segment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was I remember the story. I hit you right after I saw the half-court shot that you hit at the heat game. I, we were dying. I don't know who I was watching the video with, but dude, <laughs> I didn't know it was a first date for you. Oh yeah, well I, I've known the girl forever. We decided to go on a first date. She's still friends with me to this day, and it was it was so funny because like I knew the person who runs Game Day Marketing, 
You know, to be honest, I, I didn't eat all day, so I had a drink or two before we went out. We may have shared a joint before we went out, too. So I was feeling good at the game, and I get asked to do this half-court shot, and I'm like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Fuck it. Here we go. And instead of, you know, five minutes before you're down on the court again, like, oh, I'm about to go on back on this court again. Like, oh, no, like, uh, I can't miss this. I know there's uh, the kid from Bayheim's Army, Mark Lemaski. He had a half-court shot. So it's like, I can't go and miss one. Like, I'm not going to live this down. I, I, I got to make it. So I'm Listen, like, <laughs> you lived up to the moment. You stepped up to the challenge, and you buried it. Half-court, heat game, bucket. Had to. Girl jumps in my arms, <laughs> running around the court after. It was <laughs> – and also, like, Dion was playing, so it was funny. I don't think I've spoken or seen Dion since, you know, 2012 as well. And Tim something from ESPN, there's asking him, like, after a bunch of uh, people on the internet were like, the Heat are so hot right now, even their, even their fans are hitting half-court shots, and people start, like, hitting him up. That's no fan. That's Dion's roommate right there. <laughs> Oh, classic. And they asked for a quote from Dion. Oh, yeah, Reese. Yeah. Reese, Reese is crazy. <laughs> That's Reese, though. That's Reese. That's typical Reese. <laughs> but Man, you, that was fun. Those years were so much fun. We we had a lot of good teams, and it's nuts that, uh, you know, thinking about the NCAA, I know it's happened with Reggie Bush recently. Like, they reinstated him, kind of, or, like, reaccepted him, because I, at one point, me, Mookie, and Chris Joseph, and probably Scoop as well, because Scuba Richer, that you were the most winning team or the most wins of players at Syracuse history. And then, um, you know, everything that happened with Fab Mello and, you know, what the NCAA decided to do there, you know, took all those wins, not just from coach, but, but the four of us who were there. Yeah, apparently the games didn't happen. Never happened. Um, you know, even though Fab was there for two years, we're going to strip them all. And I might have lost games too. I don't even know. How does that work as a coach? Do you get wins? Do they? Well, I'm talking about that from, as a player. Really? I, yeah, I don't even know which years. Um, I think they did something with the 2006 Big East tournament. What did you guys? What was the? I don't know. Alleged crime. We played. We played the game. <laughs> I remember playing them. I got so, two. I got two rings. Yeah, I got a couple. Yeah, I got the trophy and <laughs> stashed away in the basement. I, I've. You were at my last house, my when I was out in the townhouse mm-hmm. where we play FIFA till two o'clock in the morning. Good times. Well, in in my basement, I used to have like a trophy case, um, you know, to all this all my keepsakes I had. Uh, my brother in law built it right into our house. So since we've moved, I didn't have that. We redid our we we built a basement, but I don't have anything to store. So I've actually taken my trophies and they're in their storage closet in the back of the basement well i went in there a few months ago and like three quarters of this trophies that i have are broken <laughs> like at some point one of my children went in there and decided well i'll just <laughs> rip this off you know just you know all tournament team see ya you know so oh shit that's the that's the the price you pay Reese, for for having the <laughs> having kids you know <laughs> destruction yeah i can tell you that there's a uh... If anybody's been to destruction, it's me and my roommates in the house I live in now. <laughs> the only people who are destroying shit is us. But uh, yeah, man, what do you got? Four, four kids now? Four kids. Four. Yeah, dude, there's that amazing video. I remember I, I was there when you had your firstborn. Um, but there's that video of your uh, two boys playing ball. And I, the young one makes like this fadeaway jump shot on the Fisher Price hoop. Yeah. 
how old is he? He he looks like he's just barely two, and he's already got a fadeaway. He's two. I, I you know I I've, I'm the youngest of of four, and my brother we we were separated by three years, and I think being the younger one kind of has its advantages. Mm-hmm. Now there's a big separation between my oldest and youngest. He's Jerry's eight and Patrick's two, but he you know he's everything that Jerry's doing. He's just he loves Jerry like he's just following him everywhere. So. And and my my old my son's like the nicest kid in the world. He uh, he's so good with him. Like he doesn't steal it. You know, he'll knock it away from him occasionally and just be like, hey, you got to protect it, and teach him. Mm-hmm. But he, you know, he'll let him get a few shots off. And um, yeah, man, it's fun, Reese. These watching those two, you know, it's uh, yeah, kids are yeah, it's 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 life changing. You know, there's no there's no doubt about it. But you know, watching my boys. You know, they're me. They're like, especially Jerry, now that he's he's eight, he loves to play basketball, he loves to fish, and he loves to golf. And the golf thing these days for me is huge. <laughs> because anytime I'm like, hey, honey, you mind if I go play 18 holes? You know for the next three and a half, four hours, you're on your own. So now I at least say, like, give Jerry a nudge. Like, yo, hey, you want to go hit a few golf balls? So now I actually get it chance to take one off her hands you know so it's a little bit easier nowadays you're actually contributing yeah you're, you're doing your part <laughs> spending time with my son you know <laughs> we're no, just happy to do something we both love it's a, it's a win-win, win-win. Very, very few win-wins that happen win-win i have not gotten to the golf game as much um a little bit more. I mean, now especially things are opening up a little bit more in California. Getting out there at least once a month, you know, I officially cracked 30. So it's like, okay, I kind of didn't go completely old man. I wouldn't say golf is old man, you know, but like, you know, your life after sport game, your, your slower game. But, you know, I bought a skateboard recently. And, oh, man, I've been, tearing, I've been tearing up the town. I've just been too much Lord of Dogtown out here. It's a longboard, not skateboard, but man, to cruise up and down, like get, make sure you get to the beach once a week. Like, you live this close to the water, there's no reason you shouldn't get there, but, like, taking that hour or three hours just to board up and down the boardwalk. Take full advantage. The peace and serenity in that ride, I can't imagine. Oh, man, it's it's incredible. Yeah, once I got to California, about 18 months now, it's... I, I get why everybody wants to come here, whether, you know, they're as fortunate as they possibly could be or less fortunate, you know, they're sleeping on the street. Like, it's it's it's, it's an incredible place to be, man. Yeah, it's a great, great, great state. I've spent some time out there. I was in Sacramento a little bit. San Diego is a place that I still haven't visited. That I've spent some time in San Francisco is great. Um, I could, I could see you and your family hanging. Ended up there. It's, it's got a. Uh, well, did you guys head there for the uh, 2013 or 2014 uh, game you guys played on the like? Uh, yeah, the carrot, the, the, you know, the tale of two halves. It was, it was sunny, <laughs> and I caught sunburn in the first half, and I caught windburn in the second half. You know, it was one of those things, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of glad. The theory is great. You know, why you do them, you know, to honor the, the obviously, the service members. Um, but the execution, <laughs> not so much. Mother Nature doesn't always cooperate on aircraft carriers. And, you know, we've seen some of these, but the experience was great, you know, but, but it was. There was two, I think, in that whole game, there was two outside shots made from the three-point line. Yeah, I think I remember the score being in the 40s or something. It was wild, yeah. Very was, low. Yeah, it was wild. And, you know, we, we had, I think it was B. Trish and, and uh, Michael Carter-Williams were, you know, so you had two elite-level attacking guards, you know, so it kind of played into our benefit that you're playing out there because I think San Diego State at the time had a really good three-point shooting team. 
Did they have Kawhi on them on their team? Well, 12 mile an hour headwind or tailwind is a (laughs) a difficult task. That's brutal. And uh, actually here, wait one second. Bam, bam. This should affect us positively. Hopefully it doesn't boot us. All right, switch that up real quick to the, uh, what's it called? Ethernet. But yeah, I was, I was asking if Kawhi Leonard was on that team. Did he, or he had graduated no. already? No. Okay, I'm so that, he, he was not on that team. It would have been going a lot through him inside. But yeah, there haven't been any outside games. I mean, I know this is like, uh, there was like two or three that happened around that time. Michigan State had played one, or they played on the same ship as you guys. But um, yeah, I mean, outdoor games just don't happen. I mean, I can't I remember the last time. Them, I think they had some nightmare situations where a couple of them got canceled. I think they were going as far out to, um, you know, China or, or Japan. They they went – someone went somewhere. And I think – for some reason, I think it was Pittsburgh. I don't know where exactly they went, uh, but I'm almost positive it was Pittsburgh. And they went all the way, big destination, big flight, and they got out there and the conditions were not suitable to play. So um, I remember one in South Carolina, same thing. The, the court was too slick and people were falling and – um, yeah, it's just um, it's a hard it's a hard venue to play in, but incredible theory. Just uh, <laughs> execution is difficult. Mm. Well, I mean, you guys had a squad that year too. That 2013 team was like one of the longest and biggest lineups, like to start at Syracuse from B. Trish, who yeah, you know, he's what like six three, six four, pretty big size for a point, and then goes all the way up to Rakeem. And even, I mean, what's his name? Jeremy and James, which yeah. might even have longer wingspans than them. Length upon length. Oh, man. Just, and that you, you just know the bottom of that 2-3 zone, just how much harder it is for those wing shooters when you have those two, those two guys, at least in the bottom forward spots. So much more wiggle room for the guards up top to pressure higher. Yeah. Which Big might... guards, long wings. You know, the great, the great thing about my first year with that, you know, the 2009-2010 team, because I still to this day I think we were the best team in the country. I don't think it was really. <laughs> it, I know. That was tough. That one, that one breaks my heart. Um, but for me, like like getting into this side of things, like going from player to coach, that was like the most rewarding year. One of my, you know, I've had some great years since then. But to be your first year to have the group that we had, like how enjoyable that team was, how close knit it was. Mm-hmm. I was like so far or so closely removed from playing. Like I played with Andy and, and AO, you know, so to come back and now I'm, these guys are both 50 year guys and close friends. And then I meet you and you know, that year was just, you know, for me getting into the coaching side of things, like I am just so grateful that that was my first season. Um, just because that group was so fun to be around, you know, not to mention how like our, we were incredible. Like it was such a fun team to watch play, but I, I think what people from probably our fans' perspective don't understand is how fun that team was when we weren't playing. You know, the everyday practices. You know, leaving the court. You know, you and Andy were at my house, what like three, four nights a week, coming out at night and watching TV, playing FIFA, ordering Domino's, Domino's pies, yeah. And then the <laughs> next day, it's like right back in the gym, same thing, staying for an hour after practice and getting it in. So. You know that I fell in love with that group. So, you know that that was a that's a heartbreaker that season. Yeah, I mean AO to go down like yeah. that. Like I mean it was like I said it was a sprained ankle. It's like okay you might be able to bounce back for the tournament, especially once we get to the Sweet Sixteen and that uh, you know regional championship round. But uh, 
to Terra Quad, where it's just like, you know, his future standings. You yeah, know, it was really, it's you tough know, to pressure him. Everyone's crying. Like, it was bigger than, you know, it was a guy that gave everything he had for every minute he played there and had gone through some injuries. Yeah. You know, and you have a chance to, you know, be the number one overall seed and go on and, you know, potentially win a national championship. It was bigger, I think, in that moment, seeing what he did and knowing that it was severe, you know, to see the look on, on everybody's face that you know, was a part of that group that was kind of deflating. You know, yeah. Then not have him moving forward was, you know, even a bigger issue because, you know, we had two different lineups. We had the big lineup, then we had the long athletic lineup. So we didn't have the luxury moving forward of playing those two different lineups. And, um, you know, he was just so solid and so big around the rim. And, um, yeah, we just happened to play. I, I think that was the worst game we played all season. Ah, and we happened to run into Butler the first year. Like Brad Stevens and Gordon Haywood and the rest of that squad were just like it, that, that game too. It just seemed like nothing went right for us either. You know, the silly turnovers, the sloppiness. We were still in the game and we just couldn't pull it out. And it was just we played as poorly as we could. And then you know when we tried to press late, we were still there. We just couldn't. Like it was one shot, one rebound, one turnover. You know, we just couldn't. Yeah, that one haunts. I know it does you, but that's that was a tough one. I remember going back to the hotel, and I remember the locker room after the game was like, it was like so heartbreaking. Like it was complete silence. Mm -hmm. Like people crying. Like no one said a word because it was just like that team was so fun. The fact that it ended right there. No one could believe it because it's just not what we envisioned. We envisioned cutting those nets down. I know that. I know that for a fact. Um, you know, but I remember going back to the hotel, and I knocked. You know, I, I didn't have a room key. I probably dropped it in the bus or something. <laughs> I went into the room and I knocked on the door because you know Katie was up in the room, and I knocked on the door. And as soon as she opened the door, I just started crying. Like I was like, I can't believe that we just lost. You know, that team was, I'm telling you, man, I'm, I'm like forever grateful that that was my first season because that's like the goal every year. Like, you got to be as close-knit as that. You know, I've been around some special groups. That's, that one's up there. Yeah, I mean, even after AO went down, um, we still got the fourth number one seed. So it wasn't yeah. like the worst situation possible, but. You got to go out west. Yeah, you had the Salt Lake. That place mm-hmm. is so salty in my mind. Um, but yeah. a- actually the moment that was, the toughest one was like the 11-12 when Fab went out. And I, I maybe because it was my senior year, but like after, I think when we were down to Ohio State, we went down like by five, like 73-78 under a minute left. I had that moment you had where it was fighting back tears. And it's like, yeah. I am not crying on this court and being a part of the some moment, C- yeah. CBS montage. Like later, Brandon, like hold it. Because like for me, it was the moment like, oh shit, college is over like now. Yeah this yeah. moment there's nothing else after and it's like all right what's the next plan in life because you haven't really set out and you haven't really thought about it as intently because you're 21 22 years old you're no one has no <laughs> no one has you know that 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 to me honestly Reese is the worst you just said salty that's yeah. probably the saltiest i am about any game we've ever played i felt like i felt like jared sullinger's i think it was the second foul in the first half was bogus and it was a bad call. And I felt like the next, however many minutes, whether it be, you know, 25 minutes of the game was spent trying to make up for it. And I'm not one to criticize, but 
there's there's very few games that of the 10 years I've been back as a coach that I can remember being like, what's going on? <laughs> Hold the phone. You know, that's one of them. Like that was just, I felt like for 20 some minutes, it was like, we're trying to make up for, yeah, we messed that one up. I mean, it was crazy that not even did we have, we had two big 10 teams in a row in a sweet 16 into the elite eight. We had Wisconsin, that was, a great, that was a great game. That was one of the best college basketball games I've ever been a part of. It was a nuts game. I mean, I remember even – I forgot who the guard was. He put up a shot at the end, and it was like – I mean, just – there it is, 50-50 ball going up in the air. That drops, we're out, and he misses it. And it was just like – I had that scout too, and I remember I was screaming, sit on the left. Because we had scouted it all week. Like, listen, late in the shot clock, he's going to go to his left hand. And he's going to use the hezzy. He's going to try to freeze you. He's going to pull. So when it got down to like the last play of the game, I remember just standing up screaming as loud as I could. Frank, remember, I think Kaminsky, was it Frank Kaminsky came in? Mm-hmm. Was it his freshman year, I think, and hit. And I'm sitting there. I got the scout. I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> who's this cat and why is he doing this right now? You know, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was Kaminsky. Uh, but that was a great college basketball game. There was just. I mean, you know, like I always get like, I wouldn't say it's always the what ifs. You know, everybody's asking me like, hey, why'd you stay? Why'd you, you could have transferred out. You could, you, you know, you, you got a scholarship there. Why don't you go play somewhere else? You know, and it was, it was always tough, you know, at least for me, just, uh, I think it's tough for any guy, you know, they want that opportunity. They're not getting it. You know, you, you hear voices, this and that, but, um, you know, the experience to look back on now, the, the games to be a part of and, you know. I know it's kind of under the radar. I've gotten, you know, a lot of praise for it, you know, what we did in practice every day and pushing yeah. those guys every single day. So, I mean, you know, all those wins, you know, they, they always felt credited, you know. So it always felt great to be a part of that and help, you know. Well, you should. You know, the reality of Racy is, like, you know me as a coach. Like, I'm very, very – especially first-year walk-ons and first-year managers, I'm very, very hard on them. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons is, is because like, what's your purpose here? Are you here to fight every day and to be here every day for the unit, for these, for the whole picture, you know, and coming back, like I, I was very, very lucky when I was a player here, some of the walk-ons that were on our team, like Andrew Cowie and Rev and mm-hmm. uh, Ty Albright um, that like early on pushed me Um People don't understand what you did for us. You know, you're as you're as good of a of a walk on player as there's ever been. <laughs> Not like you're the bar, you know. So when I have those guys, it's like I remember Nolan Hart texted me on Father's Day. He said, "Hey, GMAC, Happy Father's Day. Thanks for treating me like I was MCW." And that was it for me. It was like, all right, well, I'm going to hold you guys accountable because you are in- incredibly important for what we do every single day. You know, and it was kind of your, you know, I'm coming in and I'm, I'm seeing flashbacks of what I went against. You're Michael and these guys are trying to bring the ball up court and you're picking them up 90 feet. Like, all right, I'm going to turn you over as many times as I can. And I'm about seven inches smaller than you and it's going to be really difficult. You know, to, so to have that advantage every single day for two years, I mean, it's huge. You yeah. know, you should feel credited. You know, everybody plays a part. And, you know, just because you, you don't necessarily see your name – and the stat, like the people that know, yeah, we know, yeah, they know, 
He'll say it. Mike will credit you like, yeah, it was great having, you know, I had good players in practice, guys that could go play somewhere. You know, it's, but it, you know, it speaks to your selflessness too. You know, you know, you could have gone and play somewhere. We all do. Yeah. I mean, it, it, like I said, I definitely always felt credited because, you know, it was, it was starting with Johnny, like my freshman year. And it was, yeah. you know, I think that you can't get lost in that. And it's like, I was like, hey, this is a job because, you know, I might never get playing time, but I'm going to go out there and prove every day that these are the guys that are better than me or they have higher credit or higher rank. I got to outperform them. And if I can do that every day, because maybe they don't want to, or they're coming off games, it's just eventually going to make them better too, because I'm not going to let anybody get a, get a, a inch ahead of me. I got to battle them. So I felt like I was a coach too. when I was like, cause I laid into the other walk-ons. <laughs> you guys had a great group too. Way too hard sometimes. I, I think it was even Andy or coach said to me like, all right, Brandon, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you need to back off. You need to back off. Stop yelling at Griff. Stop yelling at Nick. Stop yelling at Tomaszewski. <laughs> that, that that group turned into be one of the man. When we were up big and you guys got on the floor, it was like Matt Tomaszewski at one point hit like seven straight threes in games, didn't he? In senior year, yeah, he yeah. didn't miss. Didn't miss. <laughs> so we had. I mean, really think about it. Like Nick was a really good player. You and Matt Tomaszewski. Matt was at Tampa before he came. It was at Tampa, right? It was, yeah, he was yeah, at you Tampa too. before he came in as a scholarship player. You know, so we had guys that technically were the third team that could go out and compete <laughs> really probably against as as good of any teams in the league, could compete. Mm-hmm. Not saying win all those games, but you could compete. No, you know, you whenever guys we came won. in the game, we, we didn't lose. We weren't yeah. negative. We were, we were going in, we are going up, getting six straight buck, uh, six oh, points, yeah. ten points in those last two or three yeah. minutes of the game. We, yeah. we, did, we weren't going out there to get embarrassed. I wasn't going to let those guys let us get embarrassed either. That was a fun – that was – that was those were fun years, man. <laughs> oh, man. Ish. It's great to look back on those. But, um, dude, how was your transition like? You know, we talked about it a little bit when you went from coming to Cuse in that 09-010 season, but, like, you know, leaving basketball and, uh, like, stepping away from it. How was that for you? Easy, rough? Well, I, I think because of that first year, it was it was easy because I realized kind of right away how much I loved it. And it was it wasn't I think it was magnified too that I was here, mm-hmm. um, how much I loved it here. And then again, I was I was back to working for something bigger than myself. And I felt like when I left here, I didn't really have that. I think the biggest issue with me and, you know, is my body didn't hold up. I need, um, you know, the ankles destroyed. Um, the groin was destroyed, mm-hmm. you know, and that first year it was like the first year that I just like had a chance to let my body heal. Now the ankle hasn't fully healed, but I think the big thing for me was that the importance of the first year of me falling in love with what I was about to do. Um, and then every year after that was the experiences of growth, you know, just all the different all the different teams that you have to mold, the individual workouts where you're trying to develop skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just fell in love with the process of the build. Um, and then the exciting thing is now it's like every year is different, you know. So you get to develop these close relationships and bonds like you and I have from what we went through together. And, you know, the turnover, I think that's the great thing about college basketball is you get to experience and impact so many different lives. I think that's what's been really cool for me is just, you know, the the the, the 
you know, the highs and lows and the peaks and valleys. And it's so easy to be negative. There's so many negative people. It's like, how can you train yourself to be the positive influence, the one that's bringing energy every day? Um, yeah, I think that's the one thing, even like, you know, playing for hop uh, or working with hop. Um, that's the one thing that I always knew that I was very, very similar in um, was just, you know, every day when you step on the court, you're going to be demanded when you step across those lines. Like, man, it's kind of on, like we, we got to work right now, you know, and if you're not going to be here mentally, I'm going to force it out of you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really just, just that mentality every day. And, you know, the different groups and so many great kids and, and people I've been around, you know, um, you know, and then through that whole process of, <laughs> like you said earlier, having four kids, you know, so now it's like, you know, you're, you're trying to find that perfect balance between making sure every guy you work with feels the love. And at the same time, making sure your kids feel that same love, you know, it's such a, it's such a difficult thing to balance because of the demand of time, you know, that you need to be in that gym, um, not just working on skill development, but then on the backside, it's scouting, you know, learning opponents, developing your game plan. Um, there's just so many moving parts to it. And I've been really lucky because of Katie, you know, just having such a supportive, you know, she's unbelievable, you know. So uh, we're together like 20 years now or something like that. So I think, yeah, like something crazy. So, you know, we've kind of grown up together and now uh, we've grown in this together. Um, so it's been great. You know, it's, it really has, it's been such a rewarding experience. I'm still, you know, I'm not happy, you know, in the sense of I've always, I'm chasing, I'm (laughs) Reese, I need another one, man. Like that's what I've been, you know, I've been really, really like, that's the mindset every year is like, can we, can we, can we build the championship team? And, you know, to do that, everybody's got to buy in and you got to give everything you have every day. I mean, it's just as simple as that. There's, you know, it's cliche and this and that, but there's really no substitute for the work. Like you've got to be here. You've got to be present and you've got to work every single day. That's got to be your mentality. And this needs to be your singular focus. You need to be focused on this. This is the most important thing for us right now. And, um, you know, when you have, when you have those groups, you know, like the 2013 year, you lose four out of five, um, and you make an adjustment going to the biggest tournament, bam, you make a final four run. Mm-hmm. You know, 2016, it, it, 2016 to me is such a great learning experience because you know me, I can go from zero to a hundred, like, you know, blink of an eye. And I found myself in 2016 coming to work every day and I didn't have any of that anger of the sense of we left something on the table, if that makes sense. Like I didn't, I didn't come in the next day of we should have done X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. I came in the next day, like, man, those guys fought tooth and nail, everything they had. Like, all right, let's build on that. Like, that's the way to fight. It's going to eventually win the day. And when, when that turned into you make the tournament and you make that run to me, I'm thinking in the back of my mind was it was because you had a group that, Every single day, they gave everything they had. And when they had an opportunity, that was their mentality. That was their MO because they had built that. Um, you know, those are – that's what I take in, in, in my transition, my career. I've been through it as a player. Now I've been through so many different experiences as, a, as an assistant coach. And, you know, 
it's just it's the excitement of the new build to me like the the constant chase of perfection you know 99% of the teams that ever play they do what Reese they go home and there's one team you know standing at the end and I've had it one time and there's nothing like it you know and every guy that puts on a uniform that plays at this level wants that feeling you know and um that's where it's at man that's where that's where I'm at right now that's <laughs> that's what I want to get done and um you know we're trying to build that we're trying to trying to get the guys in here to make sure it happens yeah I know it's tough for guys when they stop playing how to repurpose that drive and you know I think you said it beautifully and why you know coaching ends up being such a great thing because you know it's just repurposed it's like hey got to come in the goal here win a championship how do we do that how do we put that together um I know I've like <laughs> I look at that with everything else I do you know now working with cameras podcast equipment microphones it's like well I got to be the best guy here I got to figure out how to be the best okay do I got to learn something physical skill beat them beat them here beat them there to get the most numbers or be number one and it's like I know where that goal is but yeah I mean it, it, it's it's tough I mean I, I think a lot of guys after either have that weird depression or you know they're not number one at what they do anymore or they're not the thing that they've been for us, you know, basketball, we were, this is what we're doing for 20, 25 years. You know, now you have to go over into coaching. And I know, you know, there's a bunch of articles that came out recently. that gave you big praise. Uh, one of the top 10 uh, upcoming coaches on like an ESPN poll. So, I mean, it shows you guys are crushing it still. <laughs> and I mean, I can speak on experience just, uh, you know, like every other guy who's gone through the system with you. You know, you, you're definitely a great mentor and, uh, you know. You're just such a straight shooter, like most of us are, you know. We're not cutting in practice, you know, ready to get in another one of your players' faces, like right there. And it's like, oh, okay. I definitely see the evolution from Hop to GMAC because Hop would get in your face. Yeah. He, he was a little more aggressive. <laughs> he was a little more aggressive. He, de I think. he definitely was more aggressive. I, yeah. I remember he, my freshman year, I don't remember any other kid after me getting it worse than what I had my freshman year like just screaming at the top of his lungs like Reese are you fucking high like if I made a turnover are you smoke weed before we came to practice like, what the fuck <laughs> and then this is manly so you could pump the ball, ball. <laughs> and I'm that just like is he serious right now I miss that I miss the short bleachers that you could just decide even in shooting workouts I would just kick a ball for no reason <laughs> two shots in a row just uh, kick it up in the stands yeah, you can't really get away with that in the mellow center. That's going to the ceiling right there. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can hit a sprinkler, I was told, and set up the sprinkler system. So Hopefully that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Trick shots, I was told, don't don't shoot over the rafters. So <laughs> I stopped that. I mean, that was that was another big turnaround was after you go over – you played in the uh, D League and the NBA, and you went overseas. I know you, you played for the same team Rout played for right now, Palenthianakos. Uh, yeah, I was actually with Olympiacos, their rival. Olympiacos, okay. For a short period of time. How, how was that transition? Because, I mean, at least for me, we had the Mellow Center. And then I go into Israel first, and I remember I tweak my hip flexor in the first few days of practice. Like, oh, okay, guys, can I get some ice? You know, where's the trainer? And it's like, nah, man, get a, <laughs> go to the corner store and get a bag of ice. Figure it out. Find some ibuprofen, and you better, you, we, you're the American. You better be at practice twice tomorrow. Like, Figure it out. Yeah, it was hard. You know, it, the the problem was, you know, we're in we're right outside of Athens, and you know, to get to the arena, you're talking like a thirty minute drive without traffic. So if there's traffic, you're, you're pushing probably fifty minutes, or you know, so it was just 
and you know, I mean, if if you're happy in your situation, you know, you'll go to the lengths of the earth, you know. And and it was just one of those things where, you know, I was only signed for Euro League, um, so the team I played a few games in the Greek League, and I'm not allowed to play in those games. So by the time the Euro League came, I got like a minute. I gave up a three, and then that was like it. That was really it. So by the time Christmas came around, I was like, well, what am I doing? You know, what am I – this is not happiness for, for me. Living in Greece, you know, and it's a beautiful country, but living as far away from, in my mind, imaginable to, you know, everything I know and, and love, and and now I'm I'm not even happy in what I'm doing professionally. So I think that's a big thing. You touched on it a little bit is, like, the guys that go through – through the depression, I think the big thing is like, what do you like this? This is my happiness. I love you're competitive. It's like, you're saying, how do I become number one? I'm competitive. You know, we haven't lost our competitive drive. We've just channeled it in different areas. Mm-hmm. You know, now I get to channel it back to, you know, I get to be on the court and every now and then where I'm missing that energy and ability with my, the ball in my hand to do something. And now I get to hit the guy that's doing it. You know, so that's how I get to channel my knowledge is back into the efforts of, of competitive nature and what we're doing uh, individually. So and my, my transition was just about happiness, you know, and it was it was watching. It was so kind of freak how it happened. I was in between. I left the G League. I'm like, man, this is and I went to see, you know, the Big East tournament and it was a six overtime game. And I'm like, all right, you know, <laughs> And looking at my life, my wife, like, we're not going home. We got to stay for tomorrow night's game. And then, you know, you guys win that game. And then <laughs> I'm like, well, we're staying for the championship. So I hadn't seen coach, you know, because after the six overtime game, I actually went, you know, you're talking about like three o'clock in the morning. I think it was, was yeah. it uh, West Virginia? West Virginia was next in Louisville. Yeah. So I actually went back with um, Hop. And I think Kip and and helped them cut up – not help them, but I, like, sat in on the scouting meeting to get ready for West Virginia. So now you're going, like, 4.30 in the morning where my wife went out and she actually saw a coach who was coming in with Julie from from the game. Um, so I went to see you guys at the hotel before the championship game because I hadn't seen coach. I wanted to go see coach, say hello, good luck tonight for the championship game. So then I was so, like, excited with – that week and that team and watching you guys play that I go back and watch you practice before you go to Miami. I go back to Scranton. I come up, watch the team practice in Syracuse before you, you know, there's literally a day after selection Sunday. I drove up to watch the team practice and, you know, Eric and Johnny almost fist fight and it's competitive. And I'm like, this is great. And coach comes over and we just started rapping, talking about, you know, what's the next, I was like, you know, I'm not sure what I want to do, you know, and I, I wasn't even thinking about coaching. I was just like, man, I'm in transition. Like, I'm, I haven't been happy since I left. Like, you know, and he was like, what do you think about coaching? You want to come back and be a GA? And I was like, uh, you want to give me some time on that? He's like, yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, after the after the Oklahoma loss that year, he called me. He's like, what do you think? And, like, spur of the moment, I'm just like, let's do it. <laughs> so that's how I transitioned. You know, it was more so me be like, all right, man, like I'm, I'm cool with this. My body's hurting. My left ankle's destroyed. I haven't been happy. I'm not willing to put myself through this physically if I'm not going to have the reward at the end of, of 
getting in a situation where I feel like, you know, destroying myself is worth it. Like I'm going to go channel my energy into something else positive and, you know, honestly, God, it's probably been the best decision of my life. I have to ask you though. Other than my wife, other than my wife. <laughs> what was the other thing on your list in your transition? Were there any other jobs or careers you were thinking about going into or there had to have been some things you were like, I'm, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try Professional bass fisherman potentially. <laughs> the bass tour. Um, no, you know, I just, I can't, I couldn't imagine um, being away from it. You know, I love it so much. I don't know if I could have been away from it that soon. Don't be one thing if you go in and you're a GA and you, you get your master's and you've met some business people and you have a venture that excites you and, you know, you, you branch off and you do something else. You know, it was kind of something. Um, I think the one thing, like being in communications here uh, at the school and, you know, majority of my classes are mostly public speaking and things of that nature. I was thinking, all right, like maybe is there – you know, something in radio or TV or something, you know, with sports that I'd be interested in. But, you know, I think the hands-on stuff is just, is, uh, you know, it, 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 it motivates me. It excites me too much to ever give this up. I just, I love being on the court, Reese. I know you do too. I know you do too. But, yeah. you know, just getting getting the opportunity to be out there and, and, and try to pay it forward and help what I know. And, um, you know, th- th- those are the, those are the things that are rewarding to me. It's like you, you know, as great as it is, like I'm chasing that, you know, I want to be a part of a championship team. It's, it's the experiences within that, like whether you ever attain that again or not, it's the experiences of watching guys just battle and find success. You know, it doesn't happen early, but you, you know, they keep grinding and eventually get it. You know, that's, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. No, completely, man. When I go play at the park, if I, I haven't played at the park in a while now with COVID, but you know, I'm the same way as I go out there, like I go play with friends and they're like, just I'm talking, talking about where screens are coming from and the help side defense, j- just like we're yeah, still on the court. Mind. You're out of your mind. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, you know, just talking smack. I mean, that's what I learned at Syracuse. Number one, you know, go, starting your freshman year against uh, Eric and Johnny, yeah. I mean, you're going to pick up a whole just language and Rick Jackson. A oh. whole catalog of trash talking that you yeah. add to your game if you're going to be playing against those guys. You better pick up your swagger. You better pick up your demeanor because these guys will try and shit on you if you don't. Quick. You can smell it. Yeah, quick. You know if you're coming in with bullshit. Oh, Rick. Rick tried me like the first few days of like training camp. And it was just one of those. I just get like start staring at him just like, dude, what the fuck? Like, I'm going to I'm gonna try and fight you. I'm like, <laughs> Rick, I'm not Rick, going anywhere. Yeah. I'm yeah. not going anywhere. And, um, you know, luckily I was able to earn all these guys respect, you know, and did it with the basketball court, you know, because if, if not, I mean, you know, that's, that's the great thing about it. It's all these guys are going to treat you and respect you. And I mean, it's, you, you better be coming out there and playing every day. So it was, it's a great accountability holder where, like I said, I, I treat it now when I even go play pickup with people on the street. Isn't and it amazing though now, Reese, like with everything going on, you know, with what we're seeing now, I mean, it, it's just, you're exposed to so many different people. Yeah, Adrian Autry and I talked about, a lot about this a few weeks ago. You know, basketball, like with everything going on with, you know, what we're seeing with the protesting and, and the injustice and obviously the divide, 
the one thing that we've been exposed to is so many different cultures, backgrounds, upbringings, religions. And the one thing that sport does is it levels, starts everybody here. It's like you just said it. I think we're naive. You know, I know I, I am a little bit like naive in the sense of what certain people deal with when they leave that. Because there it's all, everything's even. Like it's about the play. It's about the work. It's about the production. Um, and it's about everybody being together. You know, I think that's what sport has done for me in the broader scheme of things is from an early age, AAU, getting exposed to some of the best players in the country, white and black, you know, and now rooming with them at ABCD camp or being teammates with certain people and then experiencing summer school here, like just seeing so many different upbringings. Um, yeah, it's just like, but we're all in the safe bubble. You know what I mean? Like here is the safe bubble. We're all on campus. You're a part of something. Like I never, you know, the naive part of me never kind of, you'd have the conversations, but the, the reality of it is there's, there's a lot of people that go through different things before they get here where we get to experience their greatness. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think um, a lot of guys, even while they're at school, you know, the, you know, that part of their life doesn't disappear. It doesn't go away just because they make it to school. I mean, and you see, uh, you know, a lot of guys I played with, you know, they got their family and friends with them. Um, you know, and I totally understand on like a, a, a protection area, you know, some guys, you know, they want to be by the people closest to them, where they're from. There's a whole new place for them. It's a, you know, a little sense and shield of protection. Um, but I, I totally see, you know, with basketball being a global game now, um, and, you know, as much as people, you know, we have our, you know, systemic problems in our country, um, we're still such a diverse country. And, you know, with basketball, I remember being in Florida, you know, my mom dropped me off at this place, the MLK Center. And what I later found out was like a, in the Liberia projects. And, you know, I was walking around there. I was eight, nine years old. You know, my mom just left me there to hang out with the guys. And I joined the travel team there. Just didn't think any of it. These were just people. We're, yep. we're, and you know that was what and then taking like the PAL van with you know 20 kids <laughs> to Orlando you know just didn't really know anybody just hey you're on this team now these, these are the people you're playing with and um, it, it's not I'm not putting in the level of you know war in the military but you know being put into tough situations and cr- situations where you got to think critically is, is just so great for young men and, you know, to play sports is so important and such a crucial thing to be in tough situations, to be able to communicate in those stressful situations. They're not life or death stress, but they're stressful enough situations that's going to force you to adapt, to mold yourself and to, you know, put down your, your emotions. Because like, oh, I got to listen to this person or what's he saying here? How do we do this together? So, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that you know, we're even seeing now that sports teams for kids, like it costs you thousands of dollars to, to get your kid into this program here to play for this sport. I'm, I'm sure if you, you join a rec league for your kids, you know, what's like hundred, 200 bucks to just to get them on a team, you know, and some people don't have that. And some people can't, can't even get that entry level in for these sports. And I mean, of course, you know, you gotta, we gotta provide a, you know, a living for the coaches, the people running the league management. But the fact that that's not something you know, that's even added in like a social program. Say we need X amount of kids playing this soccer team, football or basketball. 
And I mean, even football is getting stripped away because of all the uh, injuries with CTE and the head trauma. You know, we're not even letting kids play football. And I mean, I don't know. Uh, would you let your kids uh, play football and tackle football knowing the precautions? I don't know, man. I mean, as a kid, we played it all the time. I, I mean, love I got, football, man. I love football. I got my belt rung a bunch of times, you know. My brother, like I said, my brother's three years older, so all his that's who we played with was was the older kids and they just they crushed us yeah you know but the problem is i mean it is it's such a hard hard decision i'm hoping i hate to say this but i'm hoping he never wants to play yeah i hate to say that i don't think his future based on my genetic stock <laughs> <laughs> unless he's a you know six my wife's tall, which is good. So I made six three QB. Ah, hopefully, yeah. you know. But you know, he, right now, like I said, he loves baseball too. You know, my oldest. So it's just such a physical sport. And, um, but I do love it. I loved playing football. Loved it. No, likewise. I mean, I had, I had that kidney uh, issue that I was born with, so I was never supposed to even play contact sports. Yeah. So even basketball was iffy, and I just picked it up like at four or five, and it was like okay, we're going to be careful, but, you know, my mom would not let me step on the football field. And then high school, when I transferred to it, it's like, this is it. I'm going to try and make my way in. I'm going to try and play on the team. So I went to summer camp, and all that quick little court speed I have, I was just untouchable getting tackled. That's, what I, was, that's what I was thinking. It's tough to get a hit when you can't be caught. But even being that pesky, like if someone didn't get their two hands on me, I was able to just wiggle off, wiggle off tackle for a small guy. And so I was like, and then it came down to it. She's like, yeah, you're not, you're not playing. You can't do this. And I mean, he overruled everything. Grateful she did because, you know, until I got to Kuwait and I ruptured that kidney, um, training and preparing for the TBT. I was so excited to play that one year, the first year of the tournament, Belby invited me to play. I'm like, this is it. This is my shot. Last chance to, to make it. Have a nice 110 grand summer, you know, let's go. And I was training. I was actually playing a $10,000 cash game <laughs> of all places in Kuwait. And the guy just hit me on a screen. He didn't hit me hard. I just rubbed off his elbow. And it's like in the, the movie The Fighter when Wahlberg hits him in that kidney shot. Didn't look like he hit him hard or anything. And I just go down. Body goes into shock. I'm like, I can't breathe. I'm crawling to the sideline. And it was like, okay, basketball is done. Now... Yeah. <laughs> It's officially done. And I know you had, you know, we talked about before, your, your issues with injury. I mean, I don't think people really know the the groin injury. You know, I know you told me stories about what you had to do. I think it was your senior year or post-senior year, like going down to a certain doctor to, to get treatment on it. Like, was it once a week, every day? And then I know you had your your spine injury yeah. as well. You had surgery on that a few Yeah, years. I had three levels of my neck done. Um, yeah, I, I was driving right before – so pre-draft camp that year, like I was invited to Orlando. I didn't work out from the end of the year until literally like going into you know, draft camp. Like so the best players in the country all trying to get drafted to the NBA. And I spent that next, I don't even know how long it was, two months maybe, of um, three, days a week, three days a week driving from Pennsylvania to um, – Auburn, New York, and, and Dr. Dale Buckberger was great. Um, I was getting ART treatments. So going into – so three days a week, two-hour drive, two-hour drive back. 
Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And it, I really did. I was starting to recover. felt great. Went in. I had a really good night the first night and, and the five-on-five session. And and my agent calls me and said, you played great tonight. And I said, well, did I? Well, I'm done. Because <laughs> I basically retore. Like, I just wasn't, you know, I needed time for that. But, yeah, it's just, it's exhausting. You know, listen, you play the game a certain way, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to feel some issues, but. Now, how, no, are you, how are you doing with the spine thing? I know you're still crushing the three pointers on the gun, making 93 yeah. out of a hundred. The legs aren't, if I could touch the rim these days, Reese, it's the <laughs> miracle. But, yeah, I feel good. You know, I, I was really, really lucky. I researched it. I did, you know, I, I, I've gotten a lot of emails over the years of the difference between, you know, spinal fusion and artificial disc replacement which is what I had done. And at the time, the FDA wasn't approving multi-level surgeries in the States. So I actually flew to Germany um, and had it done in my neck. And, you know, the reason I did that was because of the, you know, percentage of fusion surgeries that result in adjacent levels being affected, you know, so eventually you have an adjacent level on the top or bottom of your fusion that eventually has to be corrected too. So with the extent of what I was already dealing with and multi-levels that I needed done, I didn't want to have to get three discs done. And then in 15 years, I'm getting the top one done and the bottom one done. Now your whole spinal cord is fused at your neck, you know? So mm-hmm. uh, I was just thinking more long-term of freedom of movement. I think they've, since that time, I think they've, uh, they've added levels in the States. I think it's two levels now that you're approved to get done. Uh, but, you know, I'm at this point feeling good. Golf swing is getting through the ball. Better, better than coach yet? Yet? Yeah. You better than coach yet? Ben. <laughs> I got a great story. Listen, so the first time I'm playing golf, this is this is back when I'm, I think, a GA. is the first year. So we're going out. And Hop and I were playing a ton of golf at the time. And so we do like 6 a.m. workouts. And then by like, you know, 9 o'clock, we're like get grabbing breakfast. We'll go play a little bit. So coach actually organized a big, uh, like it was eight guys, two foursomes. So we go over, we eat, we eat lunch, and then we're going to all go out and play. So at lunch, coach is like, all right, you know, he's dictating who's going to be playing with who. He's like, he's like, all right, Jerry, you're playing with me. We're going, you know, it's going to be me and so-and-so against you and so-and-so. So we're walking out on the course and Hop's like, kill him. <laughs> <laughs> like, make sure you, like, because he knew, like, I was playing really good golf at the time because I was playing a ton. I didn't have any kids, you know. Um, but since then, my game has gone, whew. And I played a lot of golf with coach and, you know, he's still, I mean, he's a good player. He's a really good player, but yeah, he's, he's, uh, you know, that day that the front nine didn't go so well for me, Reese, but on the back nine, I had, I had parred the first six holes or first seven holes on the back and the 17th hole at the course we're playing is a par five. And I hit my approach shot into the green, into the right-hand bunker I get up and down, I make the putt for par. And a friend of ours, Jimmy Carrick, who you might know, Jimmy says to me, he's like, is that eight straight pars? I said, yeah. And coach like whipped his head. He didn't realize because <laughs> I was so bad on the front. He didn't realize I had parred eight straight holes. So I had, par in the, I had shot even par on the back that day and kind of was like, all right, I know you're probably better than me right now, but I'm coming. I'm coming for you. <laughs> oh, man. It sounds like he was just doing it like it was a four on four in the uh in practice uh, you go here you go here those four on four drills we do the first one to three 
one of my favorite drills. Has he talked to you since you left here? Because, I, of, the finger? because of what? He's still angry about the finger. Is he? I, I was curious about that. <laughs> I will <laughs> never forget that. <laughs> I I know he'll never forget it. I mean, I don't know who told me the story, but it sounds like a, <clears throat> like a what's it called? Um, like a like a legend or fable story, like been passed know. out. Yeah, 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 like just passed down the legend of the folklore, like folklore where he's like even on cold winter nights, like he's got to have his hand on a pillow because the metal rods in his hand start shrieking with the ghost of Brandon Reese. Just he was like, "What is he doing?" He was telling me, "What is he doing?" He didn't need to be doing that because when you went by, you your your leg kicked him as you passed him. I tried my best to avoid him. I tried yeah. my best, and it was like I jumped to the right. He moved to the right. I'm getting closer. He goes left, I go left, and I clip him, and I'm like, ah, oh, shit. A slight giggle, but I was like, oh, shit. I'm fucked. I'm, I'm cut. I'm going home. There's no way I'm supposed to be here tomorrow. This guy's going to murder me. Well, there was no doubt that he was hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it was that bad. I mean, surgery. I still remember, going like, I still remember the noise he made. And then ah, next shit, thing, he, bastard. He, yeah. He's running. He goes right into Brad. His fingers, you know, pointing in a different direction. Uh, you, you got him, Racy. I'm not trying to. I'm, I'm, I was chuckled a little bit. It was funny, but I mean, I felt so bad. It I remember now. It is now. Julie That's coming now. to practice like a few days later, and I'm like, just hiding I, in the corner. No, I went up to her like, "Am I good? Like, am I gonna get cut now? Like, I'm <laughs> okay." Is my job safe here? I'm talking to you because you're the closest guy to him. <laughs> Tell me. I'm nervous. Um, but that was... Um, Great. Yeah, it's, a, Great it's now. another Syracuse story I'll never forget. A moment uh, that I'll live on, taking out one of the biggest coaches in uh, college basketball history's hands. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, what a time. So uh, I want to know um, what is going on with all the stuff with college basketball um, starting to pay you know, for, for players likeness, and we see the G League as well, trying to take players away. I think one of the guys you're recruiting, um, you know, one of the biggest na- or top-ranked guys that we've got in, like, school history is um, he's, like, teetering on the line of going G League or coming to, coming to us for 2022? Well, I can't talk legally uh-huh. about specific recruits. So I'll answer your initial question. Okay, okay. Which, um, you know, obviously the NIL, then it's, you know, I'm used to saying NLI, but the NIL, which is the name image likeness. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, this has been trending, I think, for, in this direction for quite a while. You know it, I know it, everybody in the sport knows it. Um, you know, with the institutions making money, with the NCAA tournament making billions of dollars, um, you know, I think the fact that, uh, you know, the word ex- ex- exploitation has been thrown a- around a lot. I don't agree with that. I don't, I don't think we're necessarily exploiting them, but I do think they need to be able to make money off the brand that they've created. Mm-hmm. Um, again, now we've given them the platform, college basketball has given them the platform to do so, um, but it is their name. It is their name. <laughs> it is what they do. 
you know, what they're doing on the court that they should be able to be compensated for. So um, I, I think as we move forward, it's got to be regulated a little bit. We don't know exactly how it's going to be. There's still a few more uh, votes that have to go into place and then how it's going to be regulated. Is it going through an agent? We're not going to be allowed to broker any deals as far as endorsements and those things in that nature. Um, so there's so much different, so many different moving parts that we're not really aware of yet of how this is going to trend and which direction it's going to go. I think it is trending and that it is going to eventually definitely pass. Um, the problem is when you have something of this magnitude is how do you get it right? And they're not going to. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anything happens right the first time. Right. They're not going to get it right the first time. Um, so what's going to happen is they're going to pass something. There's going to be certain regulations to it. Uh, we're obviously going to abide by it. And then a year or two in, you're going to see problems exist. And then they're going to start to try to figure out how do we manage this, this, and this, X, Y, and Z. Um, but it is trending in that direction. I think it's the right thing to do. Um, and the reason I do is even, you know, I think about it from from my playing days is, there, there's going to be certain kids that, you know, their name, their image, their likeness is never going to be higher than what it is when they're in college. Mm -hmm. um, they should have the opportunity to start a business or, you know, be represented by somebody to capitalize on who they are. I mean, that's, isn't that America? <laughs> I mean, pretty much, you know, so... Um, I, I think it, I think something needs to be done. I don't have the answers of how it should be done. They don't either. They'll try to get it right. They won't. And I'm not criticizing them for that. I think there's things in the past that we can criticize them for. Um, this one, I don't know if we'll be able to right away. Be just there's just so many different moving parts of how this is going to work. Um, you know, but then you start to ask yourself a question. It was like, all right, well, does this create unfair advantages? Are there different markets that are going to be recruiting a certain way that puts you at a disadvantage? Do the rich get richer? Um, you know, now you add in the G league factor where um, they're offering kit. Now the problem with the G league, I, I don't know. I think college, you know, I know has a big market um, right now. The G league, I don't know their market. Um, I don't know if they're going to be, you know, I look at the Zion, like what if Zion goes to the G league? Is, is he the number one overall? I don't know. Um, does he have the brand that he has now? I highly doubt it. Um, you know, so I think there's, I think there's pros and cons to both right now. And I think the G league thing is kind of to be determined as far as how that's going to work and what it's going to do as far as preparing kids. And obviously they can make some money right away, but you got to factor in living a place to stay uh, agent, uh, which I don't think you, know, you see a certain contract number and uh, it's a little bit misleading because you know that right away, some of that's going to get chopped. Um, there's just so many different pieces. And, you know, now with the NL, the NIL and the G league factor, um, the next few years in this business are going to be um, somewhat of a game changer as far as how I think, we need to start to navigate of how we do things. It's in the first few years are kind of up in the air of, of how it's going to go. Oh, I think you, and I know uh, from a guy I play with scoop, um, you know, that's a really similar situation. I think you both were in, I mean, you know, 
Scoop having the number one jersey sale, um, you know, his senior year. And, you know, you think about the amount of jerseys that get sold if he was the number one jersey seller in college basketball. It's a billion-dollar market. And then, you know, you, when you were playing, you know, a national championship as a freshman up to, you know, the unbelievable tears you had personally in, at MSG in those games. Um, and just like taking the team all the way to the NCAA turn, uh, to the finals and winning the finals in those tournaments. It was in, you, you were the larger than life guy then as, as a player. And it's like, you know, th- making name off your likeness then, you know, the potential to do it. I mean, it just, well, we, the, the, the problem I had when, when all that was happening, Reese was, and you kind of hit it, and you think about it in hindsight. And I thought—I don't think I thought about it much as a player when I was in it. But you know, I'm—I would see literally people like coming up with T-shirts that they're selling, that they're making a lot of money off, that I was a part of, mm-hmm. with my name and number on the back of it, and I can't legally. I can't touch it, but they can make money off it. That's that's the what I don't, you know, so I get it. I get that we're probably a little bit late on this. The problem is they're amateurs. So <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's all in the title. And throwing yeah, that, that they're amateurs. Out. So, you know, it was the biggest no-no was, was financial support, you know, but now you understand it is such big business and it is their image and their likeness and their accomplishments and their play um, that they should, you know, yeah. As long as they represent your university the right way, there's been a lot of people that could have, you know, gotten a head start. You know, not that they already don't, and that's the argument against it. Well, you're getting free education. Well, we can counter that, too. <laughs> I can oh, counter that. There's a lot of arguments now too about the yeah. education. Um, uh, I think where was I going with this? I mean, it, it's just hey, the opportunity's there. There's no reason why we can't. We we shouldn't allow these guys to do that because the unfair advantage thing. I mean, I don't think people understand. At least I know from Syracuse. I mean, we have a whole sector of a building for compliance for people to go in and make sure that we're not getting a pen from a professor that the 99 other kids in your you know, lecture hall aren't getting because that right there is unfair advantage and you technically could get suspended a game. And it's like, you know, I I think there's a little too much there for them to complain about the unfair advantages because of the, the amount that is demanded on a student athlete. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I remember even getting investigated on my 96 Buick that, that I was dragging around. That sweet ride that you were cruising around on South Campus. Oh, man, a 96 Buick with, like, 12 people in it at one time. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, things need to change. I mean, it's obvious. Um, but, I mean, guys, they, they bring too much to the sport and too much to the, you know, to the large-scale beast that this has become. I mean, think about how many people were devastated that we didn't have a tournament this year, that we didn't have championship week. Um, it's just such a big stage, um, you know, and there's a lot of people that benefit from it except the athlete. Um, and when you're talking about the image that you've created individually, I think that needs to be talked about, which they are. I think we're moving in the right direction. The regulation is going to be 
you know, the biggest issue moving forward. I just don't, I don't see how you can do it properly, especially the first time through. Um, and th- those are the waters that are going to get incredibly muddy the first few years. You just got to figure out how this is going to be regulated. Oh, no, completely. I imagine that, like, it's going to be too much for coach. Like, because would you guys be dealing with agents or, like, these kids' managers that would come in? <laughs> I don't believe so. Yeah, I think that's – I think that's that. Th- those are the, the biggest questions, I yeah. think, for us. Yeah, I, 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 Coach Beheim's going to deal with dealing with some kid's agent or manager. That he it happens. <laughs> You know, it's not happening on our end. I mean, I mean yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that one alone. That's, that's the biggest issue. That's the biggest issue. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to have a whole other department or a whole other secretary there just to, just to handle and manage instead of meetings for that. You know, it's going to get murky, but, you know, hopefully these kids can, uh, you know, have a respectable or licensed agency or manager that's going to be able to represent them and make sure, you know, um, they're going to be doing it and treating them right and growing their own individual brands because, you know, I see that now with, I, mean, I offered like a podcast scholarships. Like I'm helping any college athlete or former athlete. They want to start a podcast. I'm going to help you create and launch your show all pro bono. Just, you know, providing some skill I have to some kid, you know, who either, you know, needs help growing his own personal brand. And, uh, I just know for my own self, it's, it's, it's hard to do and hard to learn. So, um, give it back. But offer's still out there. We got three spots left. Um, but yeah, I mean, because, you know, as great as they take care of us at Q's, you know, I, I feel like we just, we needed, or a lot of these guys, I wouldn't say just me, but like some other guy in your ass about, you know, going to class or, you know, creating and launching and growing those own individual things. Because, you know, you guys can only do so much to make sure we're out there winning games, heading to class and doing, uh, you know, the, the basic things we're there to do and get done, but just having that extra overhead. Cause you know, if you don't learn it. We, we really don't have time in our basketball lives to take care of that. It's, it's changed dramatically since like over the last few years with the amount of meals that, that we're allowed to give and the grab and go, it's like, it's dramatically different. Is it less than even when I was there? Much more like the, we've helped, you know, we're, we're we've moved in the right direction as far as, Pretty much everything they do is taken care of. <laughs> Basically everything. And you get cost of attendance. You know, there, there's, you know, I didn't see any money when, when I was a, a scholarship player, you know? So the NCAA has, has made some adjustments to try to, you know, put a, a couple of dollars in the, in the pocket every month. And, and, you know, more so than anything, the day-to-day lifestyle of, especially a scholarship student athlete right now is really probably favorable. I mean, you're getting quite a bit of money per month and um, it should be all the money, all the money you need, you know, having a, a you know, an apartment taken care of and um, you know, and the apartments are great here now. Oh, I mean, I remember they just built those uh, South, not the ones right off South campus, but they're right yeah. on it. Um, That's the ones. Yeah. Those were amazing. I mean, I stuck it out in uh, Winding Ridge, though, in the uh, oh, I was on the ridge, the concentration camps, you know, up there, just, you know, <laughs> the military housing, just block, block, block. Yeah. Same one looks alike. Looks uh, like the building should be on the back of a train. <laughs> are those still like blue carpeted white walls? Is yeah. That... Yeah. Uh, I loved it, though. It was like 18 years old. Oh, I get my own bedroom. It's, my, <laughs> it's a two story mansion. 
Oh, man, it was incredible. And I think uh, I was lucky I got to room with Andy. You know, I got a fifth-year senior. No, he was going to be a fourth-year senior then. But as a freshman, just, like, someone to show you the ropes, guidance, you know, and who was a part of – was from Syracuse. So, I mean, it was – that was an amazing thing, too. I got a, I got a cool older roommate, older teammate. It was – Mixing muscle milk with cereal. <laughs> Dude, we had, we had this crazy moment that happened. I don't know if it was – some ground beef, we let it in. No one was doing dishes, him or I. You know, he had a mullet then. You know, I was a freshman. Nothing was getting done. And one day, like, some beef was still in the bottom of the sink. It turns into maggots. It turns into flies. And we are just battling, like, 20 to 50 flies in the apartment, just trying to kill them. They're coming out of the woodwork. We have no idea where they're coming from. <laughs> it set up shop. <laughs> we, we, had to build, we had to build a beachhead. And protect ourselves, but um, oh man, it was crazy. Um, dude, I uh, I'm a little over time with you. I want to be respectful of your time. How are you on time? Um, big day for us. Today's actually the first day we can reach out to 22 recruits. So, um, I got to get on the phone, brother. You got a busy day ahead of you, so I'm not gonna let take up any more time. I want to really thank you for uh, jumping on the show. Um, it was great catching up with you, man. Like I said, I'm glad I got these things. Uh. It's not even like an interview. It's almost like catching up interview, giving people a different side that uh, from the connection. We got to get together, man. We got to get together. Uh, I'm hoping that the hoop bus makes it east um, this summer. I'll try and wheel it into Syracuse. You got a driveway to wheel it right into. (laughs) It's it's 40 feet, man. It's pretty big. I'll talk to the neighbors, see if we can get in the yard. I'll make it happen. But uh, if we make it to New York City or anywhere back on the East Coast, um, I'm going to try and make it up. Are you going to be up in Syracuse the rest of the summer? Rest of the summer. Be here. Sweet. Um, I'm going to try and make it happen. I'm definitely due for a trip back east. And, uh, dude, best of luck with these uh, recruits today. Um, and, yeah, man, like on a personal note, man, just thanks for uh, being a sweet dude, man. You're a great mentor when we were at school. Um, you know, <laughs> making a, a Florida guy feel at home, you know, always hanging out and then always treating me with respect. And, like you said, the accountability. If I'm not cutting it or bringing it in today, and let me fucking know that I'm not. So, you know, that was always a, a massive appreciation assignment. I didn't have to do that much. I didn't have to I didn't have to motivate you to play hard. That was on you. You every day. Uh, so hard that I broke coach's hand. Oh man. Funny now. Not so much <laughs> in the moment. Not at all. But dude, yeah. thank, thank you again. And um uh, I got I to gotta do a quick sign out on the show. I wanted you to stay on. Just uh, I wanted to just chat with you for a second before I take off. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in the stream. I heard the stream volume is not loud. I will have this whole video up on YouTube right after this. So apologies, everybody, tuning into the stream. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Ambry Gardens. I don't get the CBD here right now, but after a long weekend, I made sure I was ready and glowing for this show right here. Use promo code BUSDRIVER, 15% off your order. It supports the show. The product's good. I love it. It's helped me recover. It helps keep me fresh and active staring at this camera right now and uh yeah if you guys like the show subscribe tune in we've had a bunch of uh other syracuse players uh former former syracuse players now on the show so go check those shows out and thank you guys so much for tuning in you're either on the bus or off the bus peace this is the moment uh, for those who